This podcast is made possible by Workday and U.S. Bank. Hi, this is John Cantor. I'm the CFO of Goodwin Proctor, and you're listening to the CFO Thought Leader Podcast. This is episode 446. Market Media, this is CFO Thought Leader, where we speak to finance leaders about driving change within their organizations. Hello, we're speaking to the CFO of Emphasis, a billion-dollar IT services company that today counts Blackstone as its largest investor. Emphasis is a global player, but U.S. customers today are responsible for 80% of its sales. We speak to the CFO of Emphis, who prefers to be referred to using a shortened version of the last name, Sura Narayanan. Our interview with Syria begins after these words from our sponsor. In a world that's always changing, one thing never does. Your need to adapt. Your need to evolve. Your need to grow. That's why we built Workday, a single finance, HR, and planning system that can change as your needs change and evolve as the world evolves. To learn how Workday is helping mid-sized organizations embrace the future with confidence, Visit us at Workday.com. Hello, we're speaking to Surya, CFO of Emphasis. Turn back the clock uh, to 2016 and Blackstone Private Equity acquired Hewlett Packard Enterprises' majority stake in Emphasis. The deal represented the largest technology investment as well as largest acquisition by Blackstone in India. Surya, welcome. Thank you. Good, good to have you with us, Surya. As usual, we begin by asking our guests to look back for us and tell us a little bit about themselves and what were those career experiences they feel prepared them to be a CFO? What comes to mind when I ask you that question? Really, uh, to give a little background of my the career milestones, uh, I'm basically a chartered accountant. I came to a CPA in the U.S. 
qualified, I joined Escorts Limited, which was in conglomerate in uh, way back in the manufacturing sector in India. And uh, as a policy, they inducted fresh financial professionals into internal audit. And uh, so to give a good base to the finance professionals. Uh, so just after a year of my stint in internal audit, uh, my reports reached the managing director, and he was quite impressed with those reports. And he inducted me into the office. Uh, this gave me a very good uh, insight on to the working of a business leader or CEO. And this was a pretty huge organization of more than 50 to 75,000 free workforce. And uh, that really uh, gave me a good grounding uh, in the finance. I'll also, uh, uh, you know, also talk about how I uh, became a CFO. And after this first stint in the five years in a company, I got uh, selected as a CFO for another manufacturing company, and I was just 30 years. Uh, this certainly put me uh, into a little, uh, you know, a position where I had to uh, learn fast and, you know, uh, especially when you are uh, dealing with business leaders and the CEO, you need to equip yourself and keep abreast with the development. So it certainly made me uh, it is uh, role change made me learn faster than I would have in a, in a, for a, any particular normal finance professional. Can uh, I interrupt here just for a second? Forgive, sure. forgive me, Surya. I just want to point out you're you're only thirty years of age when you take over that finance leadership role. Can you, can you tell us something about that organization? How large was was it? Ramco Systems. Can you tell us how large a, an organization that was? Yes, so that uh, organization to start with, uh, let me just give you a background of the company. Uh, it was uh, an uh, ERP product company. Uh, it was uh, virtually the only product company in India at that point of time. Of that size, it was around 50 to 75 million. Uh, but more importantly, it had operations globally uh, in Europe, U.S., and the Far East. And uh, it was competing with the likes of SAP and Barn at that point of time. So uh, it, it, it was, was a unique company from an Indian, uh, pers- Indian uh, corporate perspective. And uh, it was quite challenging because uh, it was, we were spending a lot of money in the product development and the revenues were coming in at a much slower can I ask, what allowed you, I, I, I believe your technical knowledge was established and you had demonstrated it as you revealed to us, but how did you demonstrate the leadership qualities that someone thought Surya is ready, he's ready to be a leader? So I think this, uh, I feel, is virtually uh, to my mantra of success. Uh, it may not work for everyone but it worked very well for me. As you said rightly, technical knowledge is, of course, the rudimentary requirement to succeed. Uh, that goes without saying. Uh, that's that I'm talking about domain knowledge, etc. 
thank you for helping closing the circle there. I wasn't certain about the history. When did HP become uh, an investor? And we know that, as I mentioned at the start of the podcast, Blackstone, of course, acquires HP's investment in it. But when did HP become part of the mix for a while? So uh, when I joined Emphasis, it was already owned by HP. Uh, in fact, uh, going back uh, on Emphasis, uh, uh, EDS, which was one of the largest IT services company, uh, acquired Emphasis in 2006-07. Uh, EDS then got acquired by HP in 2007-08. And in the process, Emphasis became a subsidiary of HP in 2007-08. Sure, yeah. I want to ask you this question that I've most recently posed to a number of CFOs from uh, the technology corridor outside Boston or around Boston. And, and many of them have built their career just in that region. And uh, they have been involved in technology companies for you know, decades. So, of course, my question is, is I have to believe there was a point in time where someone, a recruiter, knocked on the door and tried to relocate them to some other technology market. Silicon Valley comes to mind. Uh, but they said no. And, uh, you know, often they say no for a mix of personal or professional reasons. I want to ask you that similar question. I'm certain there are opportunities for you in other parts of the world at times, but uh, and forgive me if I'm wrong about this, but it looks like you've continued to build your career in India. Curious how your decision-making worked uh, as it related to your career and your decision to, sure. to build it in, in India, continue to build it in India. And by the way, the Boston CFOs were very, uh, very defensive. We have learned all sorts of wonderful things about Boston every time I, I pose this uh, sure. question. Yes, so I, I did get, as you said, uh, some offers from uh, global offers. Uh, but I was, uh, I think what really spoiled me was uh, becoming a CFO at a very young age. So I did not want to leave a CFO position. And uh, globally, uh, at, uh, it was difficult to get a CFO position uh, from, from, virtually from India. Uh, I mean, you may have to get into an organization and build your career there and become a CFO. So that maybe was, to some extent, a, a sort of a mind block, a mental block from my side in accepting those offers. Uh, there were large companies uh, which, where I got offers. But again, it would have not been a CFO position. And that was really, uh, you, know, uh, you know, prevented me from taking up that role. In fact, uh, how many years then have you been with the Emphasis organization to date? I think this is interesting because it, it's uh, somewhat uncommon when you look at uh, CFO uh, tenure averages. So I've been in the emphasis for the last nine years. Nine years, so. Okay. This company has evolved uh, over that period. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, its competitive footing, the offerings it has today, and why emphasis is competitive today? Sure. Uh, emphasis, uh, as I mentioned, is a billion-dollar-plus IT services company. Uh, focusing predominantly 
predominantly on the BFSI segment uh, and large with large uh, clients in the U.S. Uh, I think some of the important or shall we say differentiators of emphasis is uh, one uh, very uh, focused on the BFSI segment and uh, with the result we have long tenured clients which are uh, 10 to 15 years and here we are talking about clients who are fortune 100 clients. So that uh, gives us a lot of credibility in the market of our position uh, as an, uh, a very reliable IT services vendor. I think it's very important to uh, you know stress the fact uh, when you are identified an IT services vendor, especially for a Fortune 100, uh, they, they look at a lot of reliability in terms of delivery, uh, timely deliveryness, uh, sticking to SLAs. So these are important aspects. And more importantly, what is uh, required, the clients look for, is whether you can enable them to go into the next, uh, you know, shall we say, uh, stage of uh, solutions. And that is where we have, to a large extent, excelled irrespective of the fact that we are not, uh, shall we say, in, times, in terms of size, as big as Accenture or uh, IBM. But we always were uh, proved ourselves by offering digital solutions in virtually in the last three years or so, more, uh, more uh, uh, specific. And that is where the lot of spending is happening by these companies so that they can stay uh, ahead of their competition. And we also has, as a we have focused on technology uh, more than, uh, you know, just offering bodies for work. And uh, we have a mantra called bringing tea back in IT uh, because we find that over a period of time, uh, the technology aspect in the IT services world to a large extent was missing. And we always, when we interact with clients, either new or existing, we try to bring the technology angle to the solution, and that really impresses our clients. I mean, you mentioned how you're competing against Accenture and IBM today. Uh, they have quite a quite an ex extensive knowledge in all sorts of verticals. Um, so I'm just curious, when you say specific solutions, it, it looks like you're you're distinguishing your solutions in some ways from theirs, and they're more uh, leading edge in certain areas. I guess I would put it this way. Uh, I think what we had done is. Uh, you know, we started with focusing on the BFSI. We, uh, to a large extent, consolidated our position as a BFSI. Uh, I'm sorry, you know, um, you're using an acronym. I'm sure I, I should know it. Yeah, BFSI. I'm sorry. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, BFSI stands for Banking, Financial Services, and Insurance. So we emphasis started as uh, with the domain uh, expertise and solutions in the banking, financial services, and insurance segment. Uh, 
we are offering solutions on the digital uh, side for virtually which is, uh, shall we say, sector agnostic. Uh, so irrespective whether it is health or it is uh, manufacturing, uh, we offer digital IT solutions. And uh, we feel the IT solutions, uh, the digital solutions are very important in the current era. Uh, I think there are enough examples uh, right from Amazon to Uber who are virtually disrupting the ma market and that is only through technology. And that is where we are giving solutions to our end clients. So tell us, uh, what are the key metrics you rely on to reveal how emphasis is performing today? What are the numbers you're looking at before your first cup of coffee? <laughs> uh, let me also give you the background when I talk about these metrics because that's very, very uh, relevant. Uh, we are a listed company in the Indian Stock Exchange. Uh, so uh, the quarterly results are naturally important uh, from an investor perspective. And uh, the so clearly revenue growth and uh, EPS, earnings per share growth, uh, is the most important metric which I virtually look at uh, every day to see whether the revenue forecast and how we are going to close the quarter. Uh, I mean, there are other metrics naturally across the organization uh, which are equally important, I mean, are important, but the final number or the final metric is the revenue growth or the revenue number and the EPS number for the quarter. We want to ask you uh, for a uh, finance strategic moment, uh, Surya, but before I ask that question, I was wondering if you could reflect on, on this IT services space for us, because the company uh, before you mentioned EDS. Turn back the clock, and EDS was once a dominant player in this space, and it's gone today. It's management vision. It, it had this bold, grand vision. So many of these IT services companies have come and gone. What is the vision for emphasis today? Why is why will emphasis be here 10 years from now? So let me go uh, step by step to answer this uh, uh, because the context is very important. Uh, as I mentioned, the IT services industry is going through a major disruption and transformation. The industry started with the IT when services vendors servicing uh, what we call as the core uh, applications area of enterprises. And uh, whether it was application development or maintenance or maintaining the underlying infrastructure assets of the company. Uh, with the advent of the digital world, and I'll make the digital world very simple, uh, is the interface with enterprises have with their customers becoming digital. It is important the IT vendors or players like us help the enterprises to reach out to their customers at, at a much more simpler and a digital way. And that is where the 
use cognitive computing or artificial intelligence and data science to service the front-end customer and so that at a much faster and agile pace. Uh, if I go back, uh, the, the, there were projects which were given by enterprises to IT services in, uh, for development of an application for 18 months and 24 months. Uh, that does not happen now. You need to develop an app or uh, a solution for the end customer which can be deployed within a month. So that is the change which has happened. And that is where emphasis applies next generation technology, uh, which is to help the enterprises transform businesses globally. Uh, as I said, customer centricity is a foundation to not only from emphasis perspective, but what uh, we enable enterprises from their servicing their customers. Uh, in fact, many a time, instead of in not only interacting with the CIO who manages the IT outsourcing, so to say, we need the business to understand what their problems are and address uh, their problems by giving solutions. So that is the what we call uh, customer centricity and the shift which has happened. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, the uh, the shift of the enterprises to uh, a more hyper-personalized digital experience to clients is what we are addressing. Well, that, uh, that hyper-personal uh, connection, very interesting. So we always ask for a finance strategic moment. You've had so many of these along the way, sir, that it's hard to identify just one, I'm certain. But if, when you look back over your career, was there a moment where your lines of sight into the organization, those unique lines of sight that only a finance leader truly has, allowed you to see an opportunity, a risk, something that led you to help change the direction of the company or, or perhaps just your finance team was repositioned? What comes to mind? There were naturally many incidents or events uh, in the long career which I've had. Uh, I would uh, also talk about a few of them up now. Uh, one was uh, in Branco Systems, uh, it was an unlisted, and uh, we were going through uh, a listing in the stock exchange uh, along with a private placement uh, with international investor. And uh, we had made a timetable uh, with, along with the investment banker. And, uh, and his timetable was a little stretched one uh, because this had to be done after doing the international roadshow. Uh, I pushed uh, and somewhere uh, knowing the pulse of the uh, exchange and the stock market, we keep reading various reports, uh, there was a feeling that we need to complete this whole uh, listing process at a much faster pace uh, before a particular date. And I pushed for it, and uh, lo and behold, as we listed the company, we got a uh, fantastic valuation on listing. And uh, within a month, the market fell. Uh, if I had not, uh, you know, uh, timed it well, 
could have missed even the listing uh, and uh, you know garnering the funds from the international investors. I think uh, you know my uh, push uh, to ensure we stick to a uh, very tight timeline helped the organization in a big way. Uh, I think the other aspect which I would consider virtually uh, a turning, uh, you know, which helped the organization a lot. Uh, when I, as I mentioned, when I started my career in escorts, which was into manufacturing, we used to manufacture motorcycles. Uh, the normal focus from finance across the management is to focus on on reducing the cost of raw materials. I mean, that's that's very basic. Uh, I felt that we need to focus on the indirect materials because there are the direct materials are the items which get into the motorcycle. But to get those parts in, there is a lot of indirect material which is used in the shop floor, right from the oil to grease to lubricants uh, to various screws and whatnot. And invariably, the organization uh, do not focus there. And that could create a lot of leakage and uh, you be spending more money. Uh, I started focusing on that in trying to identify what is the spend per motorcycle to uh, in, in the indirect material. And that brought in a lot of savings to the organization with the result that became a metric in the dashboard uh, which used to go to the CEO. So I, I think these are, there are various events as I mentioned, but I would one question regarding the timing of the IPO and in your role. What was your takeaway there? And I, I want to, my, my hunch is, is that you demonstrated leadership. You pushed for this. You, you saw something. You thought the timing was best. And as a finance leader, perhaps you think back and know that, you know, it was the power of your voice that made it become a reality. I, I think uh, when uh, I think one of the uh, very good uh, observation, but I think very important. Uh, uh, you need to uh, not keep one line of communication with with your advisors. I think that's a very important thing, and that I practice even as of today. Uh, if my uh, uh, consultant is talking about a particular opinion or advice, I do not just depend on it. Uh, I compare the notes with uh, my peers in across the industry, with other consultants whom I have a friendly uh, relationship, to just to be sure that whatever opinion I'm taking or and accordingly I am going to take action, uh, it's on the right, it's the best possible solution. And that helped me in this particular IPO. I kept my years to the ground in terms of how the stock market is looking like and uh, what are the, 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 the dangers of any fall. Uh, it's not, it's, it's, it's certainly not possible to predict, but you can get some of the pulses uh, much earlier. We'll be back when Surya enters the mentoring round. After this Leadership Minute, 
We're once more. I'm on the uh, the show floor, I believe, at AFP, putting a thought leader on the spot with a single question. But never fear, Surya returns after this. Is there, is there something you want to have your team stop doing? We got to get out of this because I need you people focused over here. If there was a just some area of uh, that finance is tasked with right now that you would very much like to just get your people yeah, out. So, of. So, uh, I mean, yes. So what happens is uh, uh, when there is um, uh, less of automation or no automation. Uh, people spend a lot of time and calculations, and more importantly, validating whether the calculations are right. Uh, I think that's 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 all uh, waste of time. Uh, if you have standard processes, if you have standard calculations, 
which are there in any finance uh, organization. Uh, just go ahead, automate it. What do you wish someone had told you at the start of your CFO career? And perhaps we touched upon this earlier when you stepped into the role at Ramco. Uh, but, but what would you tell us? What is that piece of advice you wish someone had supplied you with prior to stepping into that office? Uh, well, uh, I think uh, I caught, caught it on, but I would uh, say uh, stay close to business. I mean, I still feel that that's the most important mantra for a CFO. And by that, how do you do that yourself today? How do you stay close? Are you connecting with people in the different functions? Are you, do you make a point on attending certain meetings that people perhaps are surprised to see you? What does it come down to? Yes, you are absolutely right. Being virtually, I call the business leaders, and we have about four of them. Uh, I virtually call all of them every day. I'm, I'm there on the, the daily uh, as a standard uh, call with them. And uh, rightly said, uh, getting to even sales reviews where certainly uh, it's more of an internal sales review. But I am there to understand where the business is going and uh, get a feel not only of uh, where our we are strong, but also it gives an uh, indication where we might be weak if we feel that we have lost some deals. Now, you have a uh, curious about your daily routine, and this is more of a personal question. We always ask if you have a personal habit that you believe has contributed to your professional success. Tell us something about yourself that you believe has helped you uh, professionally, but is more of a personal routine or attribute. Uh, well, uh, I, I would uh, call it, uh, I try to ensure that uh, I finish all my meals in the weekend. It may, it may not be a very good suggestion, so that the full week I focus on uh, uh, you know, things like what can we help to enable the business by uh, reviewing the deals which they have and structuring the deals so that I'm not bogged down by answering mails virtually during the week unless they are very, very critical. And this is a regiment that you've taken throughout your career or is this something you arrived at when you realized you had to bring greater structure to your week? I, I, I must admit that it, it, was, it happened over a period of time uh, when I realized there were a lot of meals which are uh, when you get caught on in a day-to-day -day, day -day work, uh, you, you, your meals start piling up. And so I realized that I need to, my day, in a working, normal working day where there is opportunity to, when you need, you have time to interact with the leaders across the organization. Uh, that's not the time one should be spending uh, looking at meals. Is there a book you'd recommend to aspiring finance leaders today? Uh, I think there are many books, but I think uh, like Good to Great by Jim Collins is, I would, I say, I mean, it is, again, I, I try to stress uh, with even my uh, team and uh, fellow professionals, that uh, one needs to be, as a financial domain knowledge is important, 
but uh, you need to understand the business very well uh, and uh, how businesses thrive, how businesses succeed or fail, uh, one should be uh, fully aware. And, and, and I think the other aspect is uh, you should get the pulse, I mean ideally the CFO should get the pulse if the, the business is going to have problems uh, well in advance compared to anyone else in the organization. And that I would consider uh, as the most successful CFO. Now, I know we're running long. We're up to our final question, but I feel like I overlooked, I think you called them turning points that you mentioned earlier in terms of your career, I think, in terms of mentoring, perhaps. Are there, are there moments in your career that where mentorship played a key role? Would that be the appropriate question? I think, uh, I, I, as I said, I was quite lucky uh, to have uh, a set of bosses uh, who always guided me and, uh, and, and took, I think more importantly, also took advice from me. And that gave me uh, a, a dual sense, one uh, a sense of importance and the other sense of uh, being responsible on the advice to be given. So you, when you give an advice, you need to ensure it's properly researched and thought out uh, before giving that advice. So that was the other aspect uh, from a mentorship, uh, you know, where they gave me the space for me to contribute. Interesting. The space. They gave you the freedom to express your concerns or identify uh, opportunities or whatever it may have been. That's right. And, 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 really, and accordingly, uh, what I've done is uh, I have uh, given that same space to my team uh, because I realized uh, if I've been able to be successful, uh, this was one of the important aspects. So if I need my team to be successful, they need that space. When we come back, we ask Surya for his finance leader priorities over the next 12 months. After this, the business landscape is changing quickly as the pressure to manage expenses efficiently and strategically increases. You need solutions that not only help drive down costs and improve efficiencies, but meet the changing needs of your business at us bank. We can help. We'll work with you to uncover your specific payment challenges and bring you proactive and innovative solutions and strategies that help you meet the financial goals of your organization. Our commitment to doing the right thing for our customers has earned us the designation of one of the world's most ethical companies from the Ethisphere Institute for six years in a row. To learn more, visit us at usbpayment.com. All right. I've asked such a, a few more questions. We are running long. I'm going to jump to our final question, which is to finally ask you to look forward for us, which is to say, what are your priorities as the CFO of Emphasis over the next 12 months? Uh, clearly, uh, you know, we have virtually uh, – doubled our valuation in a year. And uh, I would say from an, because investor uh, is, is, is the most important aspect for me, uh, uh, apart from other things. So uh, I would, that is the investor.
of return. So I would, I'm looking at ensuring that we are able to uh, focus and uh, double our valuation in, in a year or two. Hello, listeners. Do us a favor. Be certain to subscribe to CFO Thought Leader on Apple Podcasts, or if you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify or Google Play. If you like the show, please recommend it to a friend. Oh, and by the way, the CFO Yearbook 2021 Print Edition debuts on Amazon this quarter featuring 100 profiles of finance leaders from our 2020 season. Would you like to learn more about our CFO guests? Order the CFO Yearbook 2021. Thank you for supporting our efforts to bring you career journeys of CFOs driving change. We'll be back with another episode very soon. Thank you for listening.